Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you guys for another episode today. Uh, got my good buddy, Craig Sandy. Uh, I've known Craig for a lot of years. First met him in some coyote contests out west. Um, but uh, Craig is a longtime coyote hunter. He's from the Idaho, Nevada area. Does a lot of hunting on BLM and public land. Um, so we got a lot of great things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about just you know how the coyote game has changed over the last 30, 40 years with the, the advancements in e-callers, um, how to deal with some of that added pressure just because there are more and more guys out trying to call coyotes nowadays. Um, you know, we're going to look at public land hunting. Like I said, Craig spends a lots and lots of time hunting BLM country there in Idaho and Nevada. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, what he, what he looks for, you know, when he's scouting out, you know, ground, maybe on Onyx, looking at his phone there in his living room, kind of all the stuff he looks through there. Um, you know, then we're going to talk a little bit about volume of the call. Uh, one big thing, him and I have had these conversations, you know, the last few times we've ran into each other at various coyote contests and stuff, we've had some pretty cool discussions about this stuff. So we're going to talk about the same thing there, but, uh, you know, one of the, before we get going, I want to thank you guys, uh, you know, for listening to this podcast, making it the number one predator podcast out there. Um, you know, this goes a long way with our sponsors. Unfortunately, we can't do this without sponsors. I wish we could. Um, but, uh, you know, my time's pretty valuable with family and everything else that I do. And then obviously it takes, you know, a lot of time on Eastman's part to put this all together to, to get it onto these platforms for you guys. Um, so, you know, definitely want to thank those sponsors and, you know, what you can do to help us out. You know, if you're listening on a platform like Spotify, uh, if you love what you're listening to, you know, once you're done listening, you know, give us a five-star review on this podcast. You know, that goes a long ways. You know, honestly, the, the sponsors and, and whatnot don't probably listen to these podcasts so they really could you know don't really have a clue if it's good content or bad content you know really all they'll look at is the analytics um, and that's one of the things that they'll look at so if you guys are loving this um, you know would appreciate a five-star review uh, that'll go a long way now anybody wanting more information about myself uh, you can always find everything that I do on my website probably the easiest way to find me and that's coyotecraze.com that'll give you links to all the YouTube videos that I do links to some of the sponsor information, links to articles that I've written, uh, links to all my social media platforms as well. So uh, be sure and check out coyotecraze.com. Now, before we get going, I need to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsor, which is Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm not really a big coffee guy. Um, you know, I I don't even own a coffee pot, I have to admit. You know, I do drink some coffee from the Mini Mart on my way out hunting coyotes. Um, so I've actually got to drink in some of their cold brews, uh, you know, the Caramel Vanilla cold brew it's like an energy drink um it's kind of like a chocolate milk kind of thing you know if i had to explain it but uh it's actually pretty good it's a it's a great change i do drink a lot of energy drinks unfortunately whether that's good or bad i guess um but uh this one's kind of a nice change you know the caramel vanilla they actually have a mocha one too that's kind of like chocolate milk uh, i think it's called their espresso 300 uh, 300 milligrams of caffeine which is is what we need for those early morning coyote hunts um, but, uh, you know, they're a veteran owned company. Obviously I'm a veteran. I love everything they do. And just the fact that they want to support a coyote hunting podcast and they want to support me, uh, that goes a long way for me. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that don't, uh, you know, don't want to put their face or name with, with coyote hunting because it is, uh, you know, controversial with the anti hunters and, and things like that. So, um, if you're looking for, you know, whether it's their coffee subscription, looking to find, uh, you know, some of their cold brews at, uh, you know, your local mini mart, uh, you can jump onto their website, which is blackriflecoffee.com and check out all they have to offer. Well, Mr. Craig Sandy, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. You know, it's going to be a fun one. Um, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time now. Um, surprisingly enough, we've only actually got to hunt together one day, which was last year when we were filming the, the last stand show up in Idaho. Um, yep. but, uh, but you know, we've spent a lot of time bs and their coyote hunts and, and different things you know and i'm always giving you a hard time because you're such an old guy you know <laughs> making old jokes and cracking old but realistically you're not you're not that old but <laughs> but no that kind of leads old. us up into the podcast you know i want to i want to pick your brain you know today on uh you know just kind of how the how the predator world's changed over the last 20 30 years and kind of how you've adapted to that and um you know you do a lot of public land hunting out in the you know Idaho, Nevada country that you live in and want to touch on some of that and um, should be some lot of, you know, a lot of inter interesting information we can uh, we can talk about today. For okay, sounds good. But before we get going, uh, give me a little background on yourself, kind of, uh, you know, what you do for, for a living. I know you're kind of in the ag industry and then, you know, kind of how you got your start coyote hunting. Okay. 
Yep. I uh, work for a company called Bear Crop Science. They actually are bear, you know, they make aspirin and all the drugs and stuff. I've been with the company 30 years. So like I said earlier, I'm getting close to retirement age and can't wait to hunt more coyotes. <laughs> the coyotes better mm-hmm. watch out. Yeah. So, uh, well, as much as you hunted already, I thought you were dang near semi-retired the way it was. <laughs> we actually, you know, the, the winters is when I take all my vacation time. So I got like a month of vacation all oh, built nice. up, take it all, you know, November and December and go coyote hunt as much as possible. So, yeah. but, uh, Yep, we uh, produce sweet corn seed and peas and beans, so we do so a lot of that. That's got to be pretty beneficial. So you're out there talking to, to farmers and ranchers mm-hmm. and stuff all the time. I mean, I've, that's obviously been pretty beneficial over the years, I'm guessing, for lining up some extra places to go call coyotes. It is. A, the farm ground we have out here is, you know, it doesn't butt up against any any BLM or anything. So it's mostly in the city outskirts. You know, there's coyotes here. What it was really good for was when I was really into the duck and goose hunting, you know, we would really slay the ducks and geese because oh, I had all option to hunt wherever I really wanted, you know, the guys would just go ahead, you know, and it's plowed down corn after we harvest it. So it's, it was really good goose and duck hunting, but the coyote hunting, you know, it's, it's, and you're in, it's too many houses where I'm at. I mean, it's just, I guess you could do it with a shotgun, but it's, it's too risky. Well, and I suppose once they start harvesting all the crops, there's really no cover there for the coyotes anymore. You know, no, they probably move out and head head into the ditch banks and creek bottoms and up, you know, wherever yep. they can find a little bit of cover. They do. Actually, I know you know where CUNA is, so that's where I'm yeah. sitting today, harvesting corn. So I'm actually at a cornfield right now <laughs> doing this <laughs> in the field podcast. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So how, how'd you get your start into, uh, to, to hunting, coyote hunting, fill me in on my, that story. My mom and dad were big time outdoors people. I mean, we were camping and hunting and fishing every weekend. It seemed like when I was a young kid, but my dad wasn't really into the coyote hunting thing. I actually picked that up from a guy from work when I was probably, I was working in the field when I was 14 and. He goes, have you ever been coyote hunting? And I said, well, I've done everything else, but not that. And he goes, let's, well, this weekend, let's go out coyote hunting and I'll show you what, what to do. And he had an old Johnny Stewart cassette tape with a, you know, the speaker you reel out and sit in the brush. And, and that's how I really got started. I mean, it was. What year first... would that have been? Oh my gosh. Just like, uh, I'm going to say the fifties, but that's just another old joke. That I'm throwing <laughs> at you. I know it's not been that, that long. <laughs> I bet it was the 70s. 70s? 70s, yep. I didn't even know they had the old, yeah, I guess they would have had some of that old cassette tape stuff. That was probably in the very early days of some of that stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually somewhere he got his out of Texas. So it it wasn't a Johnny Stewart one. It had some weird name on it, like Jose something. It was a Texas-made call, and it was just put a tape in it and unroll the speaker cord and Set it in the bush, <laughs> run the speaker from where you're, where you're sitting. But that's how I really got started. And then from there, it just progressed. I'd rather call coyotes than hunt anything else. I don't, nothing else interests me. Big game is out of the question. And I just want to kill a lot of coyotes. You know, backing up to that cassette play, I was digging through my garage here a while back and I found my old, my mom had kept it you know back when i was in high school and then i moved away and stuff well she was digging through a bunch of stuff when they moved here a while back and she found it same thing you know the cassette so it's it was cool like my boys you know have no i mean they don't even know what a cd player is let alone a cassette player you know right and uh you know i brought broke that sucker out and it was showing them and you know had pocket about 30 different tapes in that sucker you know every pocket filled with the different tape and right uh, and crazy i bet it think still works the advancement yeah I, you know i i think it all it needs it had a built-in battery you know the thing weighs about 10 yep. pounds because the batteries yep. back then were so big but um yeah I, I i don't know if i still have the charger for it i didn't look through all the pockets but it'd be fun to crack that sucker out sometime and uh Just hey that's maybe a, a youtube video right there you YouTube go YouTube idea you go. i could go calling some coyotes with my you know 30 year old uh cassette deck e-call you know <laughs> <laughs> actually i just remembered the name of that call was san angelos san angelo yep i never heard of it but i know 
San Angelo, Texas is where they usually kind of the home of the big Bo- West Texas Bobcat contest. Okay. You know, so I wonder if that's kind of the heart of where, uh, you know, predator hunting in Texas kind of started, I bet. Yep. I bet. But that's where he had it. So I ordered one like the net, saved up all the money and I could. And I think they were like 120 bucks back then. It kind of seemed like a lot of money in those days. But yeah, I ordered one and I started doing it and haven't stopped. So I got to, I, I ask all my guests on here, you got to tell me the story of the first called in coyote you ever killed. I'll tell you the, I don't know if it's the first, but it was the craziest. And I think it was probably about the second one. So we made a stand. We're sitting there with the speaker in the. So how old brush. were you? Well, first of all, you got to tell me, you get, how I old were you? 15. 15. All right. 15. And we were, we rolled the speaker out, set it in a bush, and I pushed the play button. I was, probably was a Johnny Stewart sound, like the Cottontail or 101C Jack. But, I pushed the button and it was like three minutes and this coyote's coming and he's on a string and he's coming and he actually grabs the speaker out of the bush and takes oh, off with it. And actually I tied, I had the, the end of that speaker cord so I wouldn't break that plug in off. You know, we're putting it in and out. And in and yeah, out. yeah. I actually tied a knot on that cord so it wouldn't keep making that where you plug it in loose. And he hit the end of that call and that, or that, that speaker wire and he endowed head over heels when he hit that and <laughs> yeah i'll never forget it and i went we got the coyote and i went to grab the speaker and actually there was teeth marks in it and so no but <laughs> last year at the worlds i had a coyote actually we were my buddy was tr- sighting in his rifle and i said i'm going over the hill it's just call while you're doing all this and i made a stand this was during practice during the worlds and he goes, you ain't going to call nothing over there. And I said, well, I'm not sitting here watching you do this for an hour. So I just walked across the highway and set up, and I actually had a coyote grab the revolt and take off with it. And I got marks in the handle on that one. I could show everybody, but yeah. I always was wonder, like- you know, that you, you hear that a lot. I've had it, you know, had them hit the call. I've never really had them pick it up and run with it at all, but. I always wonder what the hell they think the minute their teeth hit that damn thing, you know, uh, you know, wonder if they're like, Oh shit, you know, or, or just like, wow, this is kind of weird. Or I always wonder what they're thinking, you know, when they grab that sucker like that. I, I know it's, it's weird that they'll even try to pick it up. It's heavy, you know, but they do. And That's actually, wild. I, so, when this, ago, so, so back to your, back to your story real quick. So when this guy that's running with the speaker in his mouth and hits the end and it like flips him, did he stand there looking around or did he take off running? You had to shoot him running or what? what no, he, uh, he actually got up and it stood there for a second. It was just a pop. Yeah. And he's just like, what the heck was that? You know, he had that look and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and so he shot him and like my buddy's just laughing. He's going, Oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like that. And, but yeah, that was probably the one of the first and probably the funniest one I've ever called. I've had several of them. I called one in a contest a couple years ago, which had the call in his mouth and I shot and I hit the call handle and killed the coyote, but there's a bullet hole through my revolt call handle on that one. Good thing. There's nothing up in the handle. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) But I've had several of them grab the calls or attempt to grab the calls. So we we like to get them close, right? That's right. That's right. It's harder to miss them when they're that close, you know, <laughs> know. or easier, I guess, whichever way you look at it, easier to miss them when they're that close. Right. You know? <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> so that's where I got my start. It was from a guy from work and like, but my mom and dad are actually every weekend we were hunting or fishing or doing something outdoors. So I actually got, and I'm the only one out of the family out of the three that just does anything with outdoors. So. Did you ever, uh, did you end up taking your dad out after you kind of got going with the coyote hunting a little bit? Did your, yep. your dad ever be like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. Why don't you take me? Did you ever end up taking him out? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he enjoyed it, but you know, it's kind of a, it's, you know, walking out to stands and trying to, you know, me, I'd like to push and yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I always have. And he liked it, but not as good well as I hooked onto it. So but he's like my dad he just wanted to go along to pull the trigger you know yeah he's like yep. going on a guided hunt every time he goes out yep yep <laughs> well. 
But so, uh, so you know, so you've been calling coyotes for dang there. What? That's probably 40, 40 some years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of some of the changes, you know, we just in, you know, obviously equipment, just in tactics, just in the world of coyote hunting in general. Okay. Um, you know, what are, let's start with equipment. Obviously, you know, e-calls is a big thing. You know, do you think that's, yep. uh, you know, you talk to some people and, and they might tell you that, you know, e-calls are kind of a bad thing that they ruin coyote hunting in some places. Um, other guys will tell you, you know, it's the technology, technology advancements are, are killing more coyotes than ever. You know, what, what's kind of your take on all that? You know, I don't, I don't think that electronics is killing or, I mean, you still got to work you do what work the wind and you still got to know what you're doing when even with hand calling you know i don't think electronics is ruining in it but i know rick's got some sounds that in the spring and summer that poof they're killer so but yeah i don't think that e-calls ruining it ruining it for everybody i mean you still got to do it right to get a coyote in even if you're hand calling i mean yeah, I think a lot of people talk, you know, they're referring to more that it makes it easier, I think, to to go hunt coyotes because you don't have to spend the time learning how to blow a hand call. You're really just pushing a button, you know, so I think more people have access to it. So more people are out there. I, I think that's kind of what people the group of guys that refer to that, I think, are, are probably more in tune with that, that there's just more guys out there doing it that don't really know what they're doing because it is easy because all they right. have to do is push a button, you know? Right. They may be educating a few, but, you know, you get guys like that's been doing it forever. You can get those educated coyotes even after they're educated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've shot coyotes with no teeth. You know they've been called. Oh, yeah. And... I always tell people with educated coyotes, you know, I people ask me this all the time, you know, what's the what's the, the magic secret recipe to kill educated coyotes? And I don't know if there really is something. I mean, obviously, we talk a lot about the coyote-based sounds. You know, that Rick right. has like the coyote fights and the pup distresses and some of the vocals and breeding sounds. And, you know, those kind of things, I think, are are really your best chance at that. But for me, I tell people time is really your best asset when it comes to killing educated coyotes. I, I don't think in a year's time, like, you know, for example, if you if this coyote was hunted real hard in, you know, January, February, March, and right. then, you know, you give that coyote all summer to kind of forget about it. To me, I, I feel like those type of coyotes almost revert back to coyotes that haven't been hunted. I if, think you're if right. they're constantly getting pressure, you know, every week, every other week, you know, all, then I think that's when they really become tough. Would you kind of would you kind of agree with that or? Oh, yeah, I definitely, definitely. So kind of got a story from this weekend's hunt. We were, made our first stand and I called this coyote and he wouldn't cross an opening, but I actually got him to come in with a little squeaking mouse squeak of ricks on the call and he come across and i shot him and i walked up with the shotgun and i walked up to him and his whole bottom jaw was gone and i'm going that's weird i didn't there's no way i did that and <laughs> we drug him back to the stand my buddy goes man that's an old wound and this coyote was missing the whole bottom jaw he had like two back teeth and he was 30 pounds so and you know he's been called and he just fell for it again so I don't think it. But yeah, how do you think that coyote was even eaten? That that's the kind of stuff that the resilience of coyotes, you know, is bizarre. Just eating little mice or something where he didn't have to really chomp down on anything, or yeah, this was on a ranch, and I don't know. It was like I was. I mean, he didn't have no jaw, and he had two back teeth on each side, and that was it. No kidding. Yeah, that's wild. How these coyotes? Obviously, you said he was a big. You know. Oh yeah. Wasn't uh, He, he wasn't starving to death. Nope. And he'd been called before. So I, I think you can still kill coyotes that have been educated with calls and over, like you said, over and over and over. After a while, they just kind of, here's what I think of a coyote. I don't think a coyote can think like a person. And some people take it like they can think like a person. But I, 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 don't, I don't think they have that knowledge to think, well, that call's too loud. In fact, you're the one that told me, yeah, Turn we, call we, up louder. We're gonna we're gonna get into that volume because okay. that's a big quote. Yeah, okay. we're gonna get into that in a little bit. I that was something I wanted to bring up because you and I have had a couple good conversations about this <laughs> sitting at the table at contests and stuff. Right. So but yeah, I agree. I, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think coyotes reason like you and I do. Um, 
you know, I, but a lot of guys, you know, you always want to put human thought, you know, into it, like uh, the coyotes thinking like us, you know, and I don't really think they do, you know, but (laughs) if they did, it'd be a little more interesting, I bet, you know, right, right. But I think people think, think it over too hard. Oh yeah. A A lot of guys and gals think way too hard on it. So compared to, you know, if we look back over the last 30, 40 years, when you first started hunting, um, obviously there's, there's more predator hunters now today than there ever has been, uh, right. just with the popularity of, of social media and YouTube, you know, broadcasting it out there. Um, you know, there's more e-call companies now than there ever has been. Um, it just, it just seems like, you know, guys understand the, you know, the, the greatness of it with no seasons and you can just hunt them whenever you want. And now, you know, the right. thermal aspects come along. I mean, how has that changed the game? for you, you know, over the last 30 or 40 years, just now that there's a lot more coyote hunters out there. Well, you, as you know, I hunt a lot of public. I very rarely hunt any private ground. And I don't, I don't see it's put a lot of pressure on. Now the thermal thing is might've, it's might've hurt it a little around here because everybody's doing that in Idaho because it's legal every day of the year so and it's every county and for coyotes but i think the thermal things put more of a dent in it than people out calling so it's funny because i can go into a spot where i know you see people's footprints walk in and you're going oh there's been somebody here but everybody calls different and everybody calls you know not in the exact same spot and i don't think i think if you call a spot in a different area i mean like you walk into a spot and you think oh there's been somebody here and you think well they wouldn't have walked this far so i'll walk that far and try it and you know, i think you can get those coyotes if you change where you know, go in a little farther and you know i think you can get those coyotes that have been called so i don't think it's bothered my situation but you know there's a idaho don't have a lot of i don't think it has a lot of collars it has a few, but we don't have any contests anymore. So that's kind of, but yeah, it's yeah. me, the contest thing, you know, that's always, that's usually always the more what I consider the hardcore guys, you yep. know, I mean, you have a contest with maybe 20 or 30 teams tops. I mean, that's, that's right. usually a big contest for out West every now. Yeah. I mean, there were ones that would maybe get up to 80 or a hundred at one point in time, but you know, so realistically you're talking what about 40 guys out hunting coyotes, Um, you know, there's a lot more just novice hunters out there. I believe that, you know, aren't worried about contests. They're just out there trying to have fun or shoot a few coyotes, you know, and, um, you know, I think a lot of guys go out and not successful and bag it really quick. Cause there's times you'll go out and you won't call nothing, you know, (laughs) 15 stands and won't see a coyote. And then on that 16th stand, you'll finally get one. A lot of guys will just give up like five stands of this. Not fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's true. You know, with you talked about not really affecting what you do. I think the, the guys that have been doing it longer that really understand it, you know, they've adapted to, to right. the added number of hunters out there knowing that, Hey, I'm going to walk in a little bit farther than I normally do. I'm, you know, right. you on the public side, you know, you're looking for more of those areas now, I suppose that maybe a little bit more off the beaten path. Um, yep. you know, not just the obvious stuff, you know, that the, the novice hunter is going to recognize right away and say, Oh, that's where we need to go call. Well, you know, you're coming up with a little bit different game plan to still, you know, attack right. those coyotes. And I call a lot of flatter ground and don't look for the Hills and stuff too. I, and if I don't have to, I won't walk very far. Some, you know, if I don't have to, because I feel a lot of guys are thinking, man, I got to walk clear to that next mountain and they'll bump those coyotes. Yep. Yep. 100% they'll bump those coyotes and that's the coyote you were going to call. So I, if I can, I'll limit my walking and my buddies that hunt with me go, geez, how do you do this? I, I say, I, I just look for the locations where coyotes are going to be. <laughs> it's, it's weird. You know, you can look yeah. at a spot. I know there's a coyote in that, in there. So I always say, you know, let the coyotes die tired. You know I mean? It's, yeah. It's all about variables and you're, you're sitting there evaluating an area okay, is it worth me walking, you know, 700 yards across over to that one to get to that spot? Or is it 
can I accomplish the same thing walking 150 yards right over to here? You know, right. And that's and, what you know, I because, do. You know, you're like me, you know, we're kind of, I'm not going to say contest hunting based, but you know, it's all about speed and efficiency, mm -hmm. you know, and how many stands I can get in a day usually relates to how many potential coyotes I can kill in a day. And right. I, just, I don't, I, and I'm sure you're like me. I just don't do that when I'm hunting contest. I do that all the time, whether it's a fun day of hunting, I may not press it as hard, you know, but I'm right. still looking at the efficiency and probability of things, <laughs> you know, Right. And so, I yeah, I mean, if you're wasting time walking a half mile and not ever stand all day long, just because you think you have to walk farther, then, yeah, you know, it's uh, yep. it's crazy. I mean, there's times when you're thinking, oh, I better walk to that next spot where it's a little open. I can see better, but I try to avoid hillsides and, you know, all that stuff. Other people are going to call where they can see out long ways. I've avoid that stuff as much as possible oh yeah but with the filming you know you have to kind of have you have to hunt if you're going to film i understand but you know I'm, but yeah i try to limit my walking because you'll bump those coyotes 80 percent of the time you'll bump them and they'll be gone so. have you have you ch you know when it comes to like sound sequences and things like that mm -hmm. um you know would would you say you're still you know the the same sort of mentality that you had 10 or 15 years ago, as far as sound sequences go, is that pretty much oh, the same yeah. nowadays? Or have you changed a little bit knowing that, Hey, there might be some added pressure, um, in areas. So I'll go season to season kind of right now in the fall. And I know you do it the same way. I'll turn that call on, on a rabbit and I'll let it run or a bird. I don't shut the call off. I don't know if you, I know you don't. Nope, no, I don't. Nope. <laughs> Even when I switch from rabbit to bird to pup distress, I don't, I don't leave a big gap. And some guys think that's wrong, but I kill a lot of coyotes doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And no I way. have watched coyotes when I've run in that call and letting it run, turn it on, letting it run. And I've shut it off. And those coyotes will actually stop most of the time to check out what happened. But I just let it run. I don't know. I know. I think you do too. You just turn it on and let it run pretty much, yeah. right? Yep. I run it continuous. Yep. Yep. Guys think that's wrong. A lot of guys, but well, you know, it let's works. touch it. Let's let's talk about that a minute because you know, when I put on my schools and things like that, you know, I like to teach people the whys. I just don't like to tell them what to do. Cause uh -huh. that's usually what you'll get. When you read an article or you watch a video, a lot of times, you know, they'll say, Hey, you need to run the call for this and turn it off, but they don't really tell you why, right? Right. You know, and I look back at the theory of that, you know, why, why do those guys think, why, why is their theory that there needs to be some pauses in the sound? You know, what have they seen? Well, what I think I'll it's because why. it's just the, the way that they used to blow hand calls. That, and they think a, a rabbit doesn't constantly scream. And just like what you and I were talking about earlier, a coyote doesn't think like a human. <laughs> They're not going to say, oh, that rabbit didn't pause. That's my thought. I mean, that rabbit didn't pause. He's that can't be a rabbit. He's still squealing the yeah, whole yeah. fifteen minutes. I yeah, I, they don't think like that. I agree. I think uh, like you talked about it too. You the coyotes sometimes stop. I think coyotes have a short term attention span. Honestly, I you think know, a majority do. of coyotes. And if and if it's constantly making that sound, I I feel like it keeps a majority of those coyotes engaged, like coming to the call, like. If you're yep. pausing here and there, I think you're just giving that coyote a chance to stumble across something else that he decides he wants to go investigate or chase after as opposed oh, to yeah. continuing to come to the call. Yep. The guy I was hunting with this weekend couldn't believe I just let it run. It's like, yeah, I just turned it <laughs> on. We, <laughs> we hit double digits in two days with shotguns, so that says something, right? Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, let's talk. About, I wanted to ask you about that. You know, you just you were out in Nevada. You were hunting the, the Nevada Shotgun Championships. Yep. Um, this past weekend, which would have been the what about the twenty fourth of September? Yep. Um, what uh, you know, that's always intrigued me. I've never done a, a, an all shot, shotgun only contest. Um, but talk to me a little bit about your tactics. You know, how do you change okay. up your tactics, knowing that hey, we don't have rifles, we got to get everything within shotgun <laughs> range. You, I mean, how do you change that up a little bit? Somebody asked me that yesterday too. Um, well, me and my partner did this year and I've done it the last couple of years and usually I've done better, but 
I'll get out in that thick sagebrush and I'll look for those. Oh, there's a, you're not going to believe it. I'm sitting there. There's a coyote right there on the road. <laughs> Come out of this cornfield they're harvesting. <laughs> well, a, well, no kidding. A true coyote hunter. He's sitting the there looking at me. Craig. I know. I got my shotgun from oh. last weekend, but he's going back in the cornfield. <laughs> but um, I'll walk in that thick brush and then I'll try to find you know, those openings 20 to 30 feet wide, maybe 50 feet wide where there's some opening where I can see just a little, cause I can't stand not seeing it's tough. It's tough on me. So what I do is just we'll walk and walk till we find an opening. And usually it's not very far here in Idaho and Nevada. You usually got those yellow grass openings, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, so you find one of those and that's, I know a lot of guys were just sitting in the thick stuff, thick, thick, but we'd, we'd call them into that opening and, Half of them would come right to the edge of the sage and stop, which that's all we needed. You know, you're only 20 yards, 30 yards from the openings of those where the brush starts from the yellow grass. So yeah, yeah. those coyotes were shot, but usually they'll come barreling out of there and hit the call. So that's how I do it. I mean, I, I talked to a couple other guys at the contest. Some of them were standing in the brush and I'm going, I can't do that for 15 minutes. That'd drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we did it and we're shooting tss shot so that stuff's pretty bad <laughs> yeah dustin patterson had used that quite a bit you know he he loves his shotgun and yeah he was telling me some stories about killing coyotes out at 80 90 yards with that stuff you know pretty incredible yeah it was 70 75 steps with one of the shots wow with a full water full choke waterfowl choke tight so, as i could buy so with your partner on that do you do you usually put them like straight down wind at a certain distance to catch the coyotes that do loop a little bit or are you guys no, kind we of were, sitting shoulder to shoulder kind of pointed off just one to the right one to the left kind of a deal or how do you how do you normally set up we were sitting side by side and as soon as we would see one we'd both shoot you know yeah or as a one two three thing because we soon as i mean we both seen them at the same time usually or then it was one would be standing there and we'd go and it'd be about 50 yards and one two three and we both shoot just to make sure because with a shotgun you've got to keep pumping those things into them or oh, yeah. Off. so yeah that's how we did it and the last nice. couple of years it's been pretty good you know we got second last year and the year before i think we got third but this year was a little tougher there's more coyotes there's a lot more coyotes this year that's so good. that's good yeah did you guys end up getting 10 we got 10 10 Made a couple rookie mistakes, and <laughs> everybody does. But <laughs> with the wind, I'm telling you, the wind, you can't ever fool the wind. Yeah, yeah. And the kid I was hunting with, he's I sat down on one stand, and I said, man, this this isn't going to work. And he goes, why? And I said, well, we're already in here. They've Either they've seen us walk in here, because this was on a hillside. So I sat down and turned the call on, and Rick's got some new sounds. Oh, my gosh. I find after half a day call, I figured which one they really wanted. And so I turned to call and it was a minute and I said, we screwed up and here comes two coyotes and they hit that wind channel and they were gone. <laughs> they were on a string too. I mean, they were coming, but did you get Rick's new sounds? Yeah. He sent them to me, but you know, I'm still using sounds from like three years ago. I haven't even used the ones he sent me last year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I should. Yeah, I thought, he's got a couple on there. Rabbit sounds that. Whew, he's going to be. Uh, he's going to do the next podcast with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of his new stuff he's got for this year and stuff like that. Okay. So I'm sure he'll he'll fill me in on his uh, favorites. I'm guessing from yeah, 2022. I called him and asked him, what the heck is this one sound? It don't sound like what you're calling it, you know? And he goes, oh, I think that one, that sound came somewhere. It's not what, what you think it is. So he might tell you. So, <laughs> But uh, that's how I do the shotgun thing. I try to get him to come at least to the edge of that yellow stuff. Because I, I don't like standing and shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. It does get tough. It's nice to sit there, especially when you yep. get real old. Your back gets aching <laughs> a little bit, you know. Yeah, I will be 60 <laughs> next year, so I guess you'd call me old. <laughs> I outdid the kid I was hunting with, though, so, yeah. Hey, sometimes you got to show those young bucks how it's done, man. 
you know, right. They may be younger, but they don't have the ambition that, uh, nope. some of us older guys have, you know, right. So. <laughs> hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I want to take a second to talk to you about Hornady ammunition. 10 bullets through one hole is the philosophy that brought Hornady from a two man operation in 1949 to a world leading innovator of bullet ammunition, reloading tool and accessory design and manufacture today. So whether I'm blasting coyotes with my AR-15 and those 53-grain VMAX Superformance rounds or shotgunning coyotes with the 3-inch nickel-plated BB, you won't find anything that's more accurate, deadly, or dependable to use on coyotes. So if you're in the market to test out some new rounds through your rifle or shotgun, visit Hornady.com to find the nearest dealer today. Now, back to the podcast. So we've been talking a lot about public land hunting. Let's get into a little more detail on that. you know, what's, I know you, you spend a lot of time in Nevada. Uh, I do. What is Nevada? I mean, it's like 90 some percent public land, isn't it? Yes. I mean, crazy amount. Yes. I mean, I've been out there a handful of times and it's just <laughs> crazy to see, you know, the amount of access that you can get. Right. It's, yep. It's a lot of that, a lot of public. Uh, Are you using uh, Onyx Hunt? Is that the, the app you're using to, when you're out there going through? <laughs> Yep, and I use it on my window-mounted GPS. I use their chip and my phone. I put a chip in my GPS on my on my windshield, and it's a big. It shows a big map of all of that. I don't know if very many people know you can do that. So, no. So run. So you, where do you put the chip at? In your truck? Nope. It's some of the GPSs. Say I got the the Garmin D7 something that tracks my dog in case he gets wild and takes off after kyle and I have to go find him actually it takes the garmin chip in the side i mean the onyx chip they'll take the onyx chip on the side of it and then you just put it in there and you've got the big screen of a map and it shows public and private and names and oh yeah so you're not running it off the app on your phone i have it on my phone but half the time i don't feel like downloading the maps on to my phone because i don't have service there's no service out there where you're going gotcha <laughs> Mm-hmm. With, the, with the Garmin that takes the Onyx chips, which I heard they were going to quit making. I don't know if that's true, but they're going to discontinue their chips. But you stick the chip in the slot on the back, and it just automatically downloads into it, shows the whole map, just like you got it on your computer. Yep, yep. I know exactly. I, I was just confused there. I, that's what I originally had started using before I had Onyx on my phone. That's what the exact same okay. way I used it, you know, because – you know, out here in BFE, Nebraska, there's no cell signal either, you know, so um, that was what I always used. But now as of, you know, getting with the times, Craig, you know, it's time to get out of our old ways. You know, we have to start using technology and, and use the phone, you know. Well, I know, but this way you don't have to look at your phone while you're driving down on a private lane on a BLM <laughs> road. You can tell. Yeah, you can look right at that dash and go, oh, this is private. I got to get off of here. <laughs> Uh, I know a lot of guys mount, uh, I've seen some guys mount big tablets and stuff, um, you know, on their dashes and stuff where they got a big screen that they can pull up, you know, on X instead of trying to look at on their little phone screen or their, you know, whatever. So, right. It's pretty slick. You can put those chips in the back of the Garmin. So do you, do you go through, you know, obviously, you know, access, I mean, you can go hundred miles in every direction and find public land, um, you know, do you do you do a lot of exploring like in a year's time let's say in a a season of hunting i mean how many days a year will you just say i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to a new spot that i've never been before and just to see if i can you know find something new different i'm always on onyx and i'm always looking for spots when i'm sitting on the couch my wife goes what are you doing over there all the time (laughs) (laughs) on your phone she's like well you look good at a girlfriend or what <laughs> no, I'm looking at maps. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah, right. Yeah, all sure. The time. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah. I'll... So what are you looking? So so walk me through what you, I know. A lot of people have this question, you know, that haven't done it a lot. I mean, uh-huh. what do you look when you're when you're pulling up on X? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're pulling up like the satellite image where you can see the terrain and yep. what's there. Yeah. I mean, what what are some of the things that you're kind of looking for that you're keying on that you think might be a potential place to 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 go explore? um and waste the gas and stuff to go out there and check it out i am looking for cattle ponds and oregon has these things they call 
I can't, they have like, they feed, they water their birds, you know, they keep springs going for their chuckers. Okay. I look for those in Oregon. I do a lot of Oregon hunting too, by the way. And Idaho don't have their, they're called, I can't remember what they're called. They're like a little whale they have out in the middle of nowhere. And there's always water in them because they're, they're, they're taking care of their animals and their birds, you know, they're chuckers. They're really chucker people, I think, over there. And they, I look for those springs. I look for canyons, creeks, and sagebrush. And actually on Onyx, you can actually zoom in enough and on the on your computer, you can actually see sage. I know you guys like hunting that open yellow grass down there, but if we don't have any sage in our yellow grass, it's like you're wasting your time pretty much. You can call them in it, but you gotta have that broken sage. Yes, so cover. I mean, that's essentially what you're scanning your mm-hmm. you know, your maps looking for cover and water, essentially. Cover, water, and drainages, canyons. I'm I'll drive by a canyon with my buddies. I'm going, I know there's a coyote in there. You know, you can tell. And little rolling hills. I look for rolling hills. You know, you got the onyx will give you the, how high you are up and down and how wide apart the lines are to tell you if it's real steep or real. You use the 3D yet on there? I have. Yep. I noticed, I tried using that, but it seems like the subtle, you know, as a coyote hunter, we're looking for more of the subtle terrain, you know, like not real steep ass you know, Mm -hmm. mountains and stuff. And I noticed on the 3d, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, when you're looking for that subtle role, um, it is, it's kind of hard to even tell on that 3d, but you could, you could see it a little bit, but that's really all we're looking for. Right. Is kind of that subtle role, not crazy steepness. Right. Right. And you can tell on their top of topo map they have, you can get on there and tell by the difference width of the lines, you know, if they're close and steep, if they're farther apart, you know, it's flatter. So if the lines are close to steep and they're spread apart, it's getting flatter. But when I get out there, then I start looking for cattle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Cattle mean coyotes, birds mean coyotes. But, you know, if there's not a lot of cattle in the area, even they'll, out here, they'll let their cows go in miles and miles out in the desert, you know. So once you get out there, if you don't find cows, you You'll call coyotes, but it's not going to be as good as you have if the cows are there. To me, do so. you have uh, out in that country? You know, as you, as the winter progresses, do you get the big herds of mule deer and, and antelope kind of congregating together? Yep. In areas, I mean, I, yep. I, I'm assuming you probably look for some of those areas as well. Yep, we do, and that'll be down in you know in the flatter country, and then you know, common place around here is. If it butts up against somebody's farm on the BLM, which you, there's always roads around here, there's always a road around to the BLM, no matter, even if it's private, there's always a road to get around to the back on yeah, that state. So. Yeah, that's what I noticed. Like the, all the private ground in Nevada is like a hay circle, <laughs> yep. alfalfa pivot, uh, or some sort of ag. And then, and then all the sagebrush that borders up to it is like BLM. So it's, it's kind of one of those deals where it's like, yeah, early in the morning, you may catch those coyotes out or cutting across that alfalfa or whatever. But, you know, after an hour of daylight, those coyotes are headed for cover already, which yep. is which is pretty ideal. It sends them right out into the into the public BLM where you have access to go hunt them. Yep. Yep. And then a lot of the guys in Nevada seem to be willing to let you hunt coyotes, you ask. So a lot of the ranches, but it's weird. You get on those ranches and. It's just like, like you said, alfalfa fields. It, those coyotes are in that brush in the day. So it's all about I mean, that you cover. You know, you got to figure out where the cover's at, right? Right. And uh, you know, cover. And, and I think that's why you know, night. We we touched food. on night hunting and thermal a, a little bit ago. Oh. You know. Yep. And I think that's why the thermal game is is, in my opinion, a little easier because you know you're hunting at night where the coyotes now are coming out into that openness that you know into that ag um so you don't it's almost like you don't have to think as much like uh this let's just pull right up to this big open field and if the coyote's there he's probably going to be out somewhere in that big openness you know out on the hunt catching mice or whatever out on the field where in the daytime you look at that you know all that thick sagebrush and you got to kind of use your brain a little bit and say okay how are we going to attack this um you know to kill these coyotes that are laid up out in the sage just waiting to right you know come back in the openness at night Yep. It seems a little easier, but 
I can't hardly stay up past nine o'clock. So, gosh. Oh, come on, Craig. You're making this too easy on these old guy jokes. Come on. <laughs> my, my partner this weekend, I said, I'm going to bed. It's nine o'clock. I goes, oh, are you kidding me? It's not. <laughs> Dude, I just put 27 stands. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah, tired. I hear you. <laughs> and that's what we did each day, 27 or 28 on that that's, contest. So That's cranking them. That is a ton, man. That is a ton. Yeah. And, um, well, if you want to talk about the contest, I make all my stands on contests about 10 minutes. I have a hard time going past the 10-minute mark. Either it's right or wrong. I don't know, but that's my – If they're not so going to do you actually change minutes, it up, you know, so – you know, I don't change. Like I told you earlier, if I'm doing a contest or a day hunting, I'm not changing up my time on stand just because I'm hunting a contest. Do you, do oh, you, you specifically do it different? I do. You know, I why, why is that? So, so if you're go, let me ask you this. So if your goal on a contest day is to kill mm -hmm. as many as possible mm -hmm. and in order to do that, to get in 27 stands, you're cutting them down to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Why on a normal day of hunting, when you do the same, so you can kill as many coyotes as possible. Well, for one, I'm not in a contest and I'm trying to get as many stands <laughs> as I can. I'm trying to kill the easy hanging or pick the easy hanging fruit in a contest. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. Taking the cream off the top. Yeah. Yes. If if they're going to be there, if there's coyotes in the area and they're going to call, most generally that I have seen, it's between five and eight minutes. And if they're not there after eight minutes on a contest, I'm gone. Because the more stands, in my mind, the more stands I can get in a day, the better chances I have to get numbers. Does that sound logical? Yeah, but that's what I'm asking on a normal, if you were just out for a fun day of hunting on a Saturday, why wouldn't you do the same? I don't know. I'm relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could still, see, that's what I said. The only difference is I would still make the 10-minute stand. I just wouldn't be just freaking you know, balls out back out. to the truck in and out all day long. I may joke around and take her right. time and stop at That's the truck true. and make a tailgate sandwich, you know, and but right. I'm still only going to make like, depending on that, you know, if that's what I think is our best chance of killing coyotes is making eight or 10 minute stands. Yeah. That's where I don't really change. Um, you know, do from you, whether it's contest you, or regular, you keep it at eight, 10 minutes on when you're just out hunting for fun too. Well, or do you, you know, it depends. I mean, it's just one of those variable things for me. I mean, there's times I may make six minute stands, um, right. but there's times I may make, you know, 12 or 14, you know, very, very rarely am I there more than about 14, 15 minutes. Okay. Um, and that's just, if I'm looking at, you know, time of year is a big one, you know, the right. area I'm hunting, you know, all these variables that we have to sort through as coyote hunters. Um, you know, what have the coyotes been doing that day? Have, have all the coyotes come bombing in in the first three or four minutes? Well, if that's the case, well, yeah, but are they real slow, dinky, unmotivated coyotes that are taking their time and showing up at, you know, eight, 10, 12 minutes, then I'm thinking, okay, right. maybe I do need to sit here, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, but like you said, in a contest, ultimately in a perfect world, you're the, the areas that you have lined up for a contest would be, you know, basically unmolested, you know? Right. So right. realistically the coyote should come running in. You know, right. and that's kind of where that theory plays out. Like you talked about, like if they're here, they should be here pretty quick. And right. I'm in the right area. There's, there's lots of coyotes in here. Um, I just got to cover as much ground as I can. Right. And some of these guys, I don't see how they can sit there an hour. Oh my gosh. I, I, there's no way I could do it. I'm too hyper. There's just no way. Even in this for fun, I can't sit there that long. <laughs> oh, God. I am like, I can't sit still for five minutes. It's hard. So. Yeah, that's that's the unique thing about coyote. I was talking about this with a buddy the other day about patience. Like, <laughs> in general, like on a on a macro scale, coyote hunters don't have very much patience. But to be a good nope. coyote hunter, you need to have patience on a on a micro level. You know, if right. that makes sense. Like it does. Like once the coyote's coming to the call, like patience is your best friend. Like if you can be enough patient to to let that coyote come a little bit further or give you that much better of a shot, you're good. But yeah, when it comes to the long scheme of things, like sitting there 15, 20 minutes, yeah, most coyote hunters aren't very good at that, you know? Ain't happening. And I think that's why we'd rather coyote hunt than sit in a tree stand or, you know, yep. sit in a duck blind all morning, you know, or something like that, you I, know? Exactly. I like to move and I like to find new areas. Like you were talking earlier, I love to find uncharted areas where nobody's been coyote yeah. hunting. 
Yeah, that is fun. Especially that's that's what I've always, you know, here in Nebraska, we don't have any public ground. I mean, very, very little. So anytime I've ever been to Arizona or Wyoming or out Nevada, Eastern Oregon, um, you know, any of these areas with with lots of public land, that's what I've always loved. The fact you're just driving down the road and I'm like, oh, that looks good. I can go hunt it because it's public. Right. You know, around here, if I say, oh, that looks good. I'm like, oh, man, I got to figure out who owns it. They probably got a leased out to some outfitter. You know what I'm saying? There's just all these factors that come into it. But yeah, there's just something about being able to drive down the road and say, wow, that looks good. I'm going to walk out there and make a stand. Yep. And we can do it here in Idaho and Nevada and Oregon. Oregon's got a lot of public too. A lot. Yeah. You know, we, Seth and I spent a lot of time out there the last couple, three years hunting the world. You know, that's where we spent mm-hmm. uh, our time is hunting, you know, out, out in Eastern Oregon and the BLM. It's a real similar country, you know, rolling sagebrush Rolling and stuff hills. like that you know yep. um, mm-hmm. but all that stuff's pretty pretty awesome wild country for sure right so but uh yeah let's, let's talk about uh let's talk about the volume of the call we brought that up earlier okay you know mm-hmm. you know you and i talked about this a lot you know and you were under the uh, assumption you know when when we first started talking about this whole concept of volume <laughs> you know you told me so so to put this in perspective we're talking about a lucky duck call and the volume right. usually goes from zero to 40. Now, it goes screaming your ears out. Yeah. Blowing, it hurts you know, in the truck when it kicks on automatically, <laughs> accidentally, full blast, it hurts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so if you've never heard, I mean, 40 is like these speakers and amps. I mean, you could, I mean, it is crazy, crazy loud. Yeah. So, and so clear. You, oh my gosh. Exactly. That's the other thing. Clear and loud. I never heard a call so clear and loud. Yep. And I'm not just saying it. it is, it's accidentally went off in my truck while the volume's at 30. And you can't hear for five minutes after that. It hurts. <laughs> Here's the crap out of you, but it, it's loud. So, so, so volume of call is really a big thing I get because obviously if, if you're new to the sport and you go and buy a call like this, I mean, I can see where guys are like, holy crap, what, what do I do? You know how, I mean, I got zero to 40. What do I pick? What kind of volume do I pick? So let's go through, you know, when we first started talking about this, you know, I know your mentality's <laughs> changed a little bit. <laughs> since a our lot. conversation a lot oh, okay a lot good you know so what was your initial you know theory and concept for volume so back to the coyotes can't think thing like the human i was in the assumption that a rabbit's not loud a real rabbit's not screaming 30 volume plus sounds out you know but then after you and i talked i was like you're right dude they're not they don't know how loud that, how big they have no clue. They're just hearing that sound. And then you were saying, if you play that call in the brush that we have here on a vo- certain volume and try to walk out and hear it, you can only hear it so far and then turn it. Remember you telling me that? Yeah. Yep. See, I do listen as an old man. See, teach an old dog new <laughs> it's tricks. Wisdom. It's called wisdom, Craig. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. If I'm going to kill more coyotes, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything to learn <laughs> to kill more coyotes. Even if I have to bow down to turning the volume up (laughs) but yeah you and i were sitting there at the world's talking to the table and you asked i said i usually play it like 10 or 12 10 or 12 and i'm like damn craig i killed coyotes but i must be killing the real close ones. yeah you're killing the ones that are 100 yards in you know yeah (laughs) so after that i got thinking you know maybe he's got something here that i should try and so i actually started after that conversation, I actually started killing more, even more coyotes, turning that volume 20, 25. And when it's even breezy, I'll, I'll go to 30, even on a dress. Easy, easy. You, have, yeah. you haven't hit 40 yet though. Have you? No, I haven't hit the <laughs> top volume, but it's so loud. It just kind of, you get above 30 and it is just loud, but actually I've killed more, I think by turning the volume up and, letting it play i'll give you an example we were night hunting with a buddy and he was he was i letting him run the cause his area you know i don't care and then we were thermal hunting and we could see this coyote out there about i'm guessing four or five hundred yards in a field and it would not come and i said turn that call up and he was playing it like at five or six i'm going and he goes no it's too loud i said turn the call up and he'll come and i said give me the re-. well he goes i'm gonna go try to sneak up on it. i said well give me the remote so he handed me the remote and I cranked, cranked that thing to 25 and that coyote looked up and he was on a dead string that proved to me right there that volume don't seem to matter. Yep. Just instantly proved that. And the guy who looks at me goes, huh? I said, 
you know, they don't think like humans. That's all I can say. Well, what was the, you, you remember the one thing I told you, I said, you know, in coyote hunting, there's nothing really ever happens the same way. And none, nothing's ever hundred yep. percent, you know I mean? It, no, there's all these variables we're sorting through, like we've talked about, but really in my mind, the one thing that is 100% is that if a coyote does not hear the call, it's not going to come to the it's call. Not gonna, you know, no. so and like I you said, make sure that's always been my goal is I want to make sure whether or not those coyotes come to the call, I want to make sure they at least hear it. Right. You know? And it does. I don't think it spooks them. Cause I, like you said, you get in that thick brush like Idaho we have here in Nevada, not that open. I don't know. You're open ground. You're probably really wanting to get it across that, but you cannot hear it in that brush. It just does not go through it. Well, this Even is what, if it's on a tripod or, yeah. you know, sitting up. Well, this is what I tell people. I mean, if you, you're right. When you're sitting 20 yards from that call, it sounds crazy loud, right? It does. But, you know, coyotes aren't 20 yards from the call. They're out there 200, 400, 600, 800, however far, right? So yeah. what I tell people is if you really want to know what that call sounds like in, in the sagebrush or how far it's stretching across this pasture, I said, set your call up, point it in a direction, and you start walking into the direction where that sounds pointed. And you walk out there at 100 yards, and you just kind of listen to see what it sounds like. And then you walk out to 200 yards, and you walk out to even 300 yards, and you'll be amazed. Like, once you just get a little bit away from that call, it doesn't sound near as loud as you think it does. Right. Um, you oh. know, even though those speakers are designed as, as more of a cone to, to throw sound more of in like a triangle shape, I, I feel, you know. Right. Um, well, then there. you had to make the smart remark. You could probably hear it a little farther since you got hearing aids. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> remember that the bionic ears yeah <laughs> yeah you got hearing aids you might be able to hear a little farther than i can god <laughs> well i tell you know coyotes can hear four times better than you and i and you know so if you i tell people this you want to know how if you have a lucky duck call and you want to know how how much volume that's putting out at 20 or 30 or 40 have your buddy sit at the call you walk out to 200 yards okay Mm -hmm. And you tell him to, if you got two-way radio, turn, call him on the phone, whatever. And you say, okay, hey, turn that call on to volume 10 and see if you can even hear it at 200 yards. Okay. And then have him volume that up until you can hear it. And then at that point, if, if it's 30 or 35 or 25 or whatever it may be, then all you really have to do is multiply that by four. And you say, okay, realistically, volume 25 in these same exact conditions with the amount of wind, the amount of cover, a coyote out at 800 yards should be able to hear this. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, then you can really Perfect. know your capabilities of, of what your call can do because, you know, volume is important. I, I don't think you can blow coyotes out. I think that's the problem. I think guys think you can, you're too loud and you're going to spook coyotes off. I don't think they can think like Could, of that. Just don't think. Is it possible? But, you know, I, I always ask people this. How many coyotes, in, in your prime example, how many coyotes have you killed under 30 seconds before? Like five. Not very many, but it's okay. Those coyotes were probably in order for a coyote to get to the call within 30 seconds, they couldn't have been more than a hundred yards. Right. Right. You know, they were close, close when you fired up that call. Um, and I cranked the volume all the time, right off the bat, I'll crank the, whatever volume I just deem necessary. Yeah. And I've had a lot, I mean, I, more than I can remember within 30 seconds at the call. Oh, so that, yeah. tell, that tells me like, okay, this coyote was less than hundred yards and I cranked it right up to 30 or 35 or even 40 right off the bat. Maybe there's a lot of wind or whatever. And that didn't spook off that coyote. So, no. you know, nope. you, you kind of wonder where these theories come from. Is that just guys being, you know, stubborn or, or, you know, is it because they've seen something that said, Oh, I can't do that anymore. You know? Well, I think it's like, they're thinking like we're talking, they just think they, like a human they can think that's too big of a rabbit <laughs> i don't know but i i kind of was in that mode you know like that's ah, too loud and then but you take a hand call and you blow it with all they're loud they're loud yeah well i picture this you know picture somebody walking into a stand okay and you get set up you know fairly open stand you know where you can see a little bit and all of a sudden you turn on the call and you look across over there at 200 yards and this has probably happened to you it's happened to me you look over there at two or 300 yards and you see a coyote running off. Yep. Has that ever happened to you? Oh yeah. Okay. Instantly, instantly right after. And it's only because, you know, you're, you're dicking around and getting the call and then you fire it up and you look up and you see the coyote running off. Right. Yep. Instantly in your mind as a coyote hunter, what are you probably thinking? 
here's thinking that I blew that coyote out of here. You blew that coyote out, right? Now, I think that's what happens. I think guys have seen that happen once or twice, and they think, oh, man, I blew. In reality, you know what I think happened? I think that coyote was laying there, watched you. watched you walk in, but he didn't feel threatened. He didn't feel, Mm-mm. you know, nervous. And then, but he knew you were there. But then as, as soon as the sound fires up, you know, no matter how loud it is, that's kind of enough for that coyote to say, nah, I think I'm going to take off. That's right. what I think happened. Right. You know, but so that's why I've that never brings, been a big stickler on the on the volume, you know. Well, I'm not anymore. And that brings us back to like walking into the stand again. I guys bump more coyotes than you realize if you try to walk too far. Period. My period. You bump a lot of coyotes if you go, I'm gonna walk another two hundred yards. Why walk? Yeah. You can sit right here. <laughs> 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 I know everybody has their own theory, but I've killed well, my coyotes. Like I said, if you're listening to this this winter, you know, you get after, don't be afraid to try some volume. You know, I mean, I think yep. it's, you know, I think if you hear some echo, if you're from the eastern part of the United States or Midwest and you're calling in some timber, I necessarily don't think echoing off the trees is a bad thing. No. Um, you know, because everything sounds different once you get away from the call two, 300 yards, you know, where the coyotes are going to be or even further. So, um, you know, experiment, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's exactly how it has to be done every time, but hopefully that maybe gave you some ideas to, to try with the volume and, and maybe mm-hmm. come out of your comfort zone a little bit. And like Craig said, man, he's been killing more coyotes. I have. And yeah, I'm not afraid to turn it up now. I asked if they're here and they can hear it, they'll come. So heck yeah. You're going to have the like best said, season ever. Craig. It, they're not going to set records or... this season. I don't know. I've kind of slacked off because it got so hot here with the decoy. I, you know, did a little decoying with my dog before it started getting hot. And that's when Rick's pup's distress sounds shine, man. He's got some of the best stuff for that time of year. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's unreal. unreal. It's unreal. So I can't wait to get that new stuff tried over the spring this coming spring. That's the other thing that decoy, that dog in his a kick in the rear. You guys got to get up here and do some filming of that. Yeah, we've been talking about it. It's, uh, you know, if I wasn't so busy with baseball and real work, you know, all summer, you know. Right. Then if I started hunting coyotes in the summer, I couldn't give you guys shit about uh, hunting coyotes year round, you know. <laughs> you know, so. I know. We let half of them run off, though. That's the problem. The dog will either chase them off or, they, you know, you get tired of. I'd let probably. 20 coyotes just take off this spring because i didn't want to shoot them i felt like ah let the dog work them a little bit and get bit on and it's fun to watch even if you don't shoot you know it's kicking the butt and seth got me into that and i got the dog from seth so yep heck yeah man before we before we jump off here tell me a little Uh bit about uh your your youtube page that you started up here okay i just started a kind of kicking it around a little bit it's called open the gate outdoors it's gonna what i'm gonna try to do is do a little more than coyote hunting on it and i was supposed to film a elk hunt for my son but harvest seemed to get in the way this time but it's going to be a little different than just coyote hunting but mainly coyote hunting but it's called open the gate outdoors and it's just getting kicked off and i'm trying to get all this editing stuff down doing it all myself and it's a little tricky You're going to need to that's retire to do that, man, all the time it takes to, to get I know, at that. That's the, other, that's the other thing the wife was asked. What are you doing over there again? I said, I'm trying to get this video up edited. It's like half this crap out of it. And <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, that's funny. But, that's funny. Yep, open, open the gate that. outdoors. Yeah. Open the gate outdoors. Yeah. And we'll be sure and check that check out. out. If you guys, I know the, the YouTube videos are pretty popular nowadays, you know, so. Right. I'm going to. For- I'm going to get into more setups and more, I'm kind of an introvert and I hate talking in front of cameras. And once I get to know you, I can talk, but I'm just really, really hard for me to talk in front of a camera. So well, you can narrate it with your mic over the edit the audio over the top, you know, <laughs> I guess I could do that. But, <laughs> you know, some people have the ability to talk like, <laughs> like you and it's just, I'm very introvert, so it's hard to get over that, what people think of me when I'm doing stuff and don't like to be watched and 
Come you know, on. at your age, Craig, you shouldn't give a give a damn. I know, you it's, know? it's getting better. It's getting better. Like I tell the wife, I said, I don't care what they think, or but <laughs> I am getting better at it. But, <sighs> but yep, and then I hear you're going to go hunt in the North Dakota or South Dakota. South Dakota, yeah, we got our first uh, first filming trip of the season for the Last Stand coming up. Uh, oh, Rick and I are going up to hunt with Jim up in South Dakota, so. Cool. Um, I hope so, you get on them better so than yeah. Idaho when you were here. Yeah, it's you never know. These early season hunts can be bomber. They could be a bust. You just never know what you're going to get with weather and you yep. know how motivated the coyotes are and and stuff like that. So, so yeah, we'll yeah. jump on here in the future and do a podcast on uh, on that hunt up there. And, and, cool. Uh, you know, hopefully it. We've hopefully been it fighting. We've been fighting the heat here. It's been 90, 95. Today's 70, but it's supposed to be warm back up in the 80s. It's just not good coyote calling. It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to hard to get them. Well, you got to be right on them, and they're not yep. really motivated to work a whole lot. So, yep. so Anything else, yeah? Well, sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Open the gate outdoors. If you guys want to check yep. out Craig's stuff on YouTube, uh, be sure yep. to visit that. Um, but, uh, no, really appreciate you being on, Craig. Hey, you um, bet. Go really ahead. appreciate all you guys for for tuning into this podcast. Um, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning, you know your your review of the podcast is extremely important. Uh, you know if you love what you guys are listening to, uh, especially if you're listening on Spotify, jump off and give it a five star review. Uh, that goes a long way with uh, you know what we're trying to do and, and the sponsors and things that we bring on board to help bring you guys this content. But uh, obviously we can't do this without the sponsors. Uh, Want to thank Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Hornady, Onyx Hunt, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Cryptech, Six Hour Optics, and Swagger Bipods. And then, of course, the whole Eastman's group for putting this all together for you guys. Uh, you know, it's obviously right in the, the heart of big game season. So um, if you need information on there, the magazine articles, the Tag Hub program they offer, you can check out Eastman's.com. But until next time, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. <laughs>